0: Welcome. You're listening to The Pulse, a Merge podcast series that inspires clinical thought leaders to share best practices on their pursuit to delivering standards of care. Here's Todd Budka, founder and CEO of Merge. So, today I'm excited to be speaking with Lori Racinet, a retired nurse practitioner from Alaska Heart and Vascular. Probably most people know this woman in the medical space of electrophysiology. She's devoted over 45 years to medicine. And I think she'd do it all again if she could. Lori's received multiple accreditations and has been recognized by Heart Rhythm Society as recent as 2021 as the Distinguished AHP, which was kind of like a lifetime achievement award in my mind. But she's now enjoying her life as a retired person. And she's boating and fishing and hiking and photographing and everything else you would think somebody would be doing from Alaska, probably bear wrestling and moose riding. Um, We're excited to have her here. And um, I would like to welcome Lori Racinet.
1: Thanks, Todd. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Hi, Lori. It has been quite some time since we've seen each other and chatted. Um, COVID kind of put a wrench in things.
1: Oh, yeah. In everything.
0: (laughs) In everything. So you... (laughs) to even start I mean I'm I'm in awe of you I, I you are everything that we aspire to work with and have and enjoyed getting to know since I've started this company actually just to kind of set the table I I remember vividly and I want to say it was 2017 at HRS the doors open the floor for vendors was open for you to go visit And you and I think Candice, if I recall, were on a beeline straight for our booth. And I had no idea who you were or what you were about. But I thought I'd start there because that was when I first met you. And uh, not knowing how special you are to this industry and to the AHP profession, I've just been fortunate to get to know you as a human and then as a clinician and you making us better as a company.
1: You know, we had been using a different software for our device clinic and uh, Dr. Compton, Dr. Steve Compton, who is the head of our electrophysiology department had suggested that we look into merge as an up and coming. Could this work well for our clinic? Would it be something that would work better for us? Should we take a look at it? Um, and so Candace and I were down in, I think it was, I think it was San Francisco. Wasn't it? If I remember.
0: I, I believe. That be. Yeah. Be yeah. Low. Yeah. yeah,
1: and one, one of the Chicago. HRs, like it lost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It may have been Chicago. Um, but we um sure, yeah, we'll be happy to do it. We're going there anyway. We all love spending time on the exhibit floor. So we just made our way right over and introduced ourselves and said, show us what you got. <laughs> and. <laughs>
0: I was, I was eager and nervous all at the same time. It was, uh, it, I didn't realize the, the clinical aptitude that just stumbled upon me, right? That uh, uh, it, it was quite intimidating and, and, and also invigorating of, you know, the questions that you, you asked and the demands of your clinic and the intent of what you guys deliver at Alaska Heart, right? I, I mean, yeah. uh, again, you guys are, Second and none when it comes to delivering care and your approach to managing your patients, uh, especially in the EP clinic, you know you've been recognized by HRS and you know, you've, you've you have these accolades and um, my question really is for you of as a distinguished AHP, what what does it mean to you and or how do you think about it in regards to the meaning that, you know, it might be as if, you're, if your patients knew this or maybe they do like, you know, I, you didn't wake up one day and go, I want to be in a distinguished, you know, yeah. member of HRS and allied professional health. But, you know, what does that mean to you uh, when you were on stage and being recognized? I remember that, um, yeah. you know, what went through your mind?
1: You know, it's, it, it's an amazing honor when you look at the people who have um, been given the um, HP award. Um, they're people who have been involved in Heart Institute, have been leaders, uh, Heart Institute, Heart Rhythm Society, who've been leaders for the allied um, community in Heart Rhythm Society. We've served on committees, um, been part of a lot of the, the growth and the change and how the allies incorporate into HRS. You know when i compare myself to some of these people it, it was a humbling experience to stand up on that stage yeah. and accept that award um, i think humble and honored were the two major emotions that i felt
0: oh yeah no I, we were we were equally just you know on proud of being a part of uh, your clinic and working with you and getting to know you and then you yeah. know as i said 2017 when i saw you walk down that hallway I didn't know you. I had no idea who you were. You had no idea who I was and right. like, all right, bring it on. Let's get to know one another here. It, it was, it's been a lot of fun. So fast forward, you retired. Yes. What are you, what are you doing? Like, yeah. how do you go from well, this I, hustle? I've
1: actually, I've actually done, been doing some um, on at homework, reading devices off and on, but it's getting less and less as, you know, people are becoming more and more competent and it's a, In a way, it's kind of like, I I feel like a a parent whose kids go off to school and they come back and you look at them and you go, you don't need me anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So I will probably actually be fully retired by the end of the summer. Um, I just kind of hung on to help if they needed me and they need me less and less and less, which is, it's a really good feeling to know that they're carrying on without me and, you know, everything will continue to go well at the Heart Institute without me actually being there. Um, although I have to say, I miss all my buddies.
0: (laughs) Oh, I bet. I can only imagine the influence you've had and the camaraderie throughout that building is
1: uh, a great institution. It's it's
0: really unique in its nature. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. So how did you find your way to Alaska? I I never (laughs) asked that.
1: Well, it was one of those, I, I had a friend from college and we were talking one day and said, well, you know, we need to go on an adventure. Why don't we go to Alaska? Let's go up to Alaska for a year and just see what it is. So we did. And 40 some years later, I'm still here.
0: <laughs> no way. And where were you when I was, you were I was, deciding? Was,
1: I'm from Vermont originally.
0: Vermont, gotcha. Um,
1: the Northeast kingdom of Vermont. And uh, I went to school in Texas. So my undergraduate work was at Texas Christian University in Fort Worth.
0: Got it. So you weren't afraid of the cold. You weren't nope. afraid of the heat. <laughs> no. Nope. And Alaska's got a good mix of both. Uh, it's
1: got a good mix of both. Right. On. Although I have to, have to admit, as I get older and the arthritis gets worse, the heat <laughs> sounds better and better. <laughs> well, so
0: then you, you you end up in Alaska. And were you already a nurse practitioner in Vermont? or uh,
1: I, was an, I was an RN um, in RN. critical care. So originally, when I moved to Alaska, I started in critical care. Um, I worked about 20 years in critical care, mostly coronary critical care. Got it. So I was familiar with the EP portion of it, the you know e- reading EKGs, um, although I tended a little bit more toward the interventional side at that point. Um, and then I went back to school in oh, 1996 and got my nurse practitioner. I actually worked three jobs at one point in time. I was working as a nurse practitioner in family practice part-time. I was working part-time at the uh, University of Alaska doing clinicals with their nursing students. And then I was working full-time at Providence Alaska Medical Center as a critical care nurse.
0: Wow. Well, you have uh, any and every acronym behind your name (laughs) when it comes to care. (laughs) MSN there used to be more. (laughs) Oh, I MSN, FMP, FHRS, CEPS, CCDS. I mean, you have racked it up other than MD. Oh, no, I think you're there. Oh, no. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) We'll leave that for Dr. Compton. Yeah, Uh,
1: absolutely.
0: uh, And and what was the draw to EP? So you're, you kind of mentioned you were more coronary focused and and you kind of got sucked into the world of electrophysiology.
1: Yeah, well, EKGs had always fascinated me. So from the time I was a nursing student, I always wanted to do something with EKGs and electrocardiology, that, that type of thing. So EKGs, pacemakers, all that stuff had always fascinated me. And it was always part of coronary care. So it was always learning some of it. Um, in fact, I probably shouldn't tell you, I remember pacemakers that could, uh, <clears throat> you did, uh, you checked a pulse and if your pulse wasn't 60, there was something wrong with a pacemaker. <laughs> When those are VDR. probably non re i'm you, sorry d d o you've seen V-O-O, this go yeah. from
0: a non reprogram of pacemaker to where we are today is that fair to say yeah and and then fast forward like the the evolution of these devices is pretty pretty cool to see and the impact it's it, having oh it, it's I mean, so you've much watched is. it just expand, I imagine, and probably yeah. had your fingers in each in, in any of it as well in monitoring it
1: yeah well and and you know somebody coming into this new today has so much that they have to learn. Um, and, you know, I look back at how I learned and it was kind of piecemeal as they added things in, we had yeah. BVI and then you had it or B- 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 o- o and then you had VVI, and then, oh my gosh, now we have an atrial lead and we've got DDD and, and we have, we added rate response and then we added ICDs and then we added CRT and, and you just kind of build it and bring it in gradually as you're learning it. Yeah. Um, whereas if you come on and try to get into this field today, think about all of the things that you have to learn within about six to eight weeks that, yeah, I took 40 years to learn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, looking
0: at what took place over that time period, what are the things you thought were like, well, these
1: are game changers in technology? The first thing that I really thought was a game changer was the DDD pacemaker. Because, you know, we used to always put this in for complete heart block was what we put pacemakers in for. And with just VOO or VDI, you, yeah, you could get the heart rate up. You could keep people feeling fairly well, but they lost that atrial kick yeah. and getting that atrial kick back with a DDD pacemaker was just phenomenal to me. The next thing that I thought was a game changer was the ICD. You know, now you could prevent sudden cardiac death and trying to figure out who really benefits from this. I mean, should we just slap ICDs in everybody? Um, and the Heart Institute's actually been involved in some of the research that went on with ICDs right. um, and some of the research that went on again with CRT, which is, again, the next thing that I think was the, another game changer. Of course, the latest thing that I really find fascinating, and of course, now that I'm kind of getting out of the field, I'm not into it quite as much, but his area bundle pacing,
0: oh, yes. um,
1: because we knew fairly early on that pacing in the RV could induce heart failure. But on the other hand, you got to do something to make that ventricle work or no blood gets pumped. So RV pacing kind of lost its, I guess, glow. Yeah. And we started looking ways to stop that. Um, Yeah. Of course, physiologic heartbeat is obviously the best. That's always the best you're going to get. But to me, if you can get the Hiss bundle working and you can get that narrow, normal looking QRS and that normal looking conduction, I think that's going to be a big game changer in the long run. No,
0: that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I'll, I'll, I'll throw in there uh, using this analogy of your, your RV pacing, right? is like something that it's worked for a long time and it, it, okay. it, it was what people yep. knew and it, and it, it was you know, the right thing to do versus maybe right. now we're believers in this Hiss bundle. Well, it's still doing the same thing, just maybe better, right? And less harmful. Um right. And and right. I would take that too. Anything, you have to look yeah, yeah. You yeah. have to look
1: at clinical trials and you know make sure things really work. And, and you have to pick the right patient. You know, just yeah. because you have a clinical trial that says, yes, this works, you still have to have the the EP physician's judgment saying, hey, this is the right patient for this procedure. And eh, this person really isn't going to benefit for this. Let's do it the old way, which yeah. is obviously cheaper and easier. Um And I don't, I really don't advocate just, you know, slapping his bundle pacers into everybody. (laughs) (laughs) You really, you have to take the trials. You have to look at the patient. You have to put it all together. You still have to use common sense with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, they they don't teach common sense. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, for those that don't know Alaska heart. Right. Uh, And I, I mean, I think. The world of you guys, but, but maybe to some of the listeners here, you know, articulate the mission there, like what you guys were about and and your program a little bit, like you, you were in on trials and you, you had a great staff and it's, it's managed well. It's a well-run machine and it's
1: a physician owned um, operation. So the physicians own this, Um, They have a, they hire a CEO, they hire managers and, you know, with any organization, I think that how your owners perceive things kind of trickles down through the owner organization. And Mm -hmm. we have been so fortunate with the physicians and the physician owners that we've had that you know, their philosophy is the patient comes first. We need to take care of the patients. We're not here. You know, earning money is important, obviously, to keep the business open. Sure. Um, but we're here first to take care of patients and make sure that patients get the care that they need. And to do that, we need good staff. We need good managers. We need good staff. Hence, Karen Marsh. Um, our clinical, overall clinical manager, um, Kathy McVeigh. I don't know if you ever met her, was awesome. She just retired about a month ago. Um, yeah. So they're looking for somebody to replace her and to be another truly awesome person in that role, Um, because you really need somebody who can look at the staff and say, you guys are doing a great job, but we need to improve here. How can we improve here and involve the staff in that? And I think that's something that Alaska Heart does very well. Um, when, When Dr. Compton came on board, he was very, very adamant that he wanted to be involved in some of the trials. Um, you know, certainly he'd been involved in trials before he came to us and, um, he was born in Alaska, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah,
0: I think I Um, did actually,
1: but he was, um, very much wanting to be a part of that. And part of his reasoning was that if you're involved in the trials, you can offer patients a technology that they might not be able to get to for another five or 10 years. Yeah. Because yeah. you know how things try, you know, trials take time, technology oh, yeah. takes time, FDA approval takes time, as it should. I'm not saying that you know, it shouldn't take time because if we're going to practice evidence-based medicine, which is what we should be doing, then you need to look at the trials and you need to have repeat trials. You need to be able to say, hey, we found this in our trial and it was repeatable in three or four other trials. Therefore, we think that this is what we should be doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm makes sense.
1: Well, and I think that's the whole basis of using evidence-based medicine is if you, you follow the evidence, if the evidence says this, then you say, okay, let's, let's move down this path. Yeah. If later on, different evidence comes up and says, now this is the wrong path to follow. You need to do something different. Then you need to be willing to switch that and not hang your hat on the old data or the old evidence.
0: So, so let's go there for a second, right? I'll, I'll, I'll bring this back to merge for, for a moment uh, is you show up in 2017, you guys weren't afraid to change. And something wasn't necessarily, you know, the evidence maybe was starting to show there needed to be something, there needed change. Yes. Um, and, and and so not being afraid to make change, right? Right. I think was something I took away from you guys, where you guys run your program, you look at the evidence and you, you react. Uh, right.
1: Friendly. Not only for patient care, but for every business. Um, right. And, and for the staff as well. I'm, and you need to look at, you know, what's going and we've done this with our device clinic several times as we've changed how we do things in device clinic to make it run more efficiently. Um, and that's for two reasons. It's one for the patient. You want the patients to be feeling comfortable, to feel like they're looked after. We know who they are and we're taking care of them. But you also want it for the staff, because if your staff aren't able to do their jobs efficiently, then you start looking at at burnout about people going, well, I, you know, I come into work, I'm running my tail off and I can't get my work done. And I always have this stack of charts that I've got to deal with. Um, and so when that starts happening, you need to take a look at your process and say, hey, what, what do we need to do differently? Yeah. Um, and I think Alaska Heart has always done it in a, a nice way in that they don't look at people and go, you're not doing your job right. It's yeah. okay. We see an issue with the system. How can we fix the system? And they get input from the staff as well. And and so we've made a lot of changes in how we do this over the years. Um, We've changed how our device rooms are set up over the years and how as computers have become more and more of an uh, important part of our job. How do we transfer data? How do we set things up so that it makes quick and easy? Um, When I had, before we were able to move things into the medical record electronically, um, every week I would have a stack of pacemakers like this. (laughs) Um, probably probably six inches, seven inches deep that I had to go through and read and sign every week. Um, it was brutal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you, you end up taking stuff home and sitting at home doing it. And it's just kind of, sometimes you just kind of go, oh my gosh.
0: Yeah, I, I can only imagine. Yes. It's those finite details that make, yeah. uh, make or break your day because they're repetitious, right? In nature. Yep. And it can consume your day when those yes. little things. Yep pile up, right? It's that exactly. that 1%. You add 1% up over time, you're like, well, wait, this is like 35% of my day doing right. this ancillary stuff. And it's, yeah. it's, it's sucking us, like, you know, you, you're, you're dying. It's actually
1: dry after a while.
0: It, it does. It, yeah. it, it really does. And I think those are things we actually, we, uh, we were, you guys were a very tolerant uh, organization. And, and as we, we knew a lot, but there were Those intimate details were super helpful for us to understand and grow and to, to you know, evolve. Uh, I'll say that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. we we had looked at a couple of other companies because we were we were thinking, well, gosh, you know, if we're not getting what we need here, maybe we should go elsewhere. Um, But the thing that struck us about you guys was you wanted to know how our clinic worked and how your software could be changed to make our clinic function better.
0: We were listening. We were attentive. uh, Yes.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, when Candace and I first met you, that was one of the things that we noted immediately was you were asking questions and saying, yeah, we've got this idea and it looks like this. And we would say, well, could you do this? Cause this would really help. Yes, of course we could.
0: Oh yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah. And
1: you guys were right on it. Yeah. Versus this is our software and this is how it works. Um, which, I mean, that's fine. Um, but um, many, many years ago, I sat on the, one of the Boston Scientific Advisory Committees And um, we would get to review new products and look at new products and make suggestions. And uh, Betty Ching, I don't know if you ever met her, but she was a part of that as well. She was posthumously awarded the first uh, distinguished allied professional award. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I
0: had no idea.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome lady. But um, we would sit there and, and what we were talking one day and she said, you know, I love engineers. They're awesome. They're wonderful people. They're smartest people in the world but they don't understand how a clinic works. (laughs) (laughs) And they'll come up with these wonderful ideas. And then you look at them and you say, yes, but in the real world, this is what happens. Yeah, Um, And then some of the first remote monitors that people were looking at were quite complicated to set up. They had this button and that button and you push this and you turned it on here. And I can remember Betty looking at one of the engineers and she said, you need to remember the KISS principle. These people are 80 (laughs) (laughs)
0: Keep it simple. yep. Keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Simplicity is the hardest thing, right? I mean, I'm, I have vivid memories at Apple, you know, the things that they did to make it look the way that it does. It looks super simple. The complexities that have gone into those products is uh, second to none. And the, the, intent behind it is never compromised, yeah. you know, from my experience from right. time at Apple. And, and I think that becomes hard and you don't replicate that because it's very easy to cut corners in business and in intent. Um, and that's always something I learned early on in my career at Apple that I, hopefully we try to take here and yeah. bring to clinicians is do not cut corners and do not do not compromise. Right. So those are, and you don't do that with your patients. So exactly. Um, When you were in clinic and you had your staff that was doing the initial triage, you guys were set up that you then, the nurse practitioners, and I think there was only maybe one or two of you that were actually, was it two of you, Nancy?
1: Well, initially it was just Dr. Compton and I. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, Yeah, Yeah. 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 And what I had actually, I was still working at Prov and I, you probably don't met didn't meet Dr. Paul Peterson. He had retired by the time I think you guys were on board, um, but he was doing both intervention and some early EP. He was putting in pacemakers and ICDs. And um, there were two cardiology clinics in Anchorage and they decided to merge into one because they felt it would be more efficient and they could provide better care. Uh-huh. And when they did that, they felt that they wanted a real electrophysiology department. Um, and uh, Dr. Compton had done some locums for us and they offered him the position. Um, and he said, well, yes, but I need a nurse practitioner. And so Dr. Peterson came in to see me one day in the, in the unit. He said, hey, you want to come work for us? I'm like, well, what do you want? What do you want me to do? <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm kind of happy doing what I'm doing. And he said, well, you know, we're going to open up a pacemaker clinic and an EP clinic. And, you know, we need a nurse practitioner and you, you already know all of us. You get along with all the docs. Said, well, let me think about it. He said, well, we'll send you to pacemaker school and then you can go into industry. And I was like, no, nope, I'm not going to industry. I don't want to do industry. I want to do patient care. We well, don't have to go to industry. <laughs> okay. So, so I went and I interviewed and I thought, and, and actually had been working uh, occasionally part-time for them in their Coumadin clinic at that point. So, you know, I'm yeah. technically already an employee um I said, okay fine i'll do it and so you know they met dr compton um and i love dr compton um i think that the man practically walks on water as far as i'm concerned
0: yeah i mean let's be real like he is a man amongst men right he's oh, this yeah. guy is like oh yeah for those that don't know him right he's he's smart as a whip yes and i'm not stroking his ego he, he's smart as a whip he flies planes he hunts moose catches giant fish in streams with like wolves sitting on the edge of the water he's like fishing staring at grizzly bears meandering down the, the stream like he's a man <laughs> yeah,
1: he's, he's absolutely i used to tell him if, if i could have just just a fifth of his brain power oh i would be so happy
0: <laughs> oh yeah uh, he, he's amazing he's, he's yeah. so I, you guys i could see how you, you two connected yeah. pretty fast right oh, it, yeah. it, and and existed together for many years
1: oh yeah well and you know the 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 thing that i think people forget sometimes about dr confident is his compassion yeah and and his compassion for the patients um which and that really drew me to him very quickly because he he really truly cares about giving the best to his patient
0: well i I think that also kind of reflects your organization like you you, you go back to it it's like the intent right your right. intent is pure in its nature. Yeah. Um, and you will do and make the decisions based on your intentions that are most, yeah. you know, forward thinking and relevant to care for patients that are in its best interest. I think that, that has emitted across your, your organization, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, and, and you know, as things kept going, um, he was very, very busy initially. and And I really just ran the pacemaker clinic. I did pacemaker checks. And he was doing telephone checks at the time because, you know, old technology.
0: And not a cell phone. (laughs) Pick
1: up the phone, pick up the phone.
0: (laughs) So you were doing telehealth.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Back before telehealth was a thing. Um, And, you know, he was getting so busy and he and Dr. Peterson both wanted me to start seeing patients as well. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm fine with that. But we're going to do something about the pacemaker clinic. And then um, Steve was getting so very busy, they decided they needed to bring on another electrophysiologist. And so Dr. Bawabin was hired. Um, yeah. And then we decided, well, we probably need another nurse practitioner. And it just kind of grew and grew and grew. Um, and at one point, um, so we had, so Dr. Strobel came on after Dr. Bawabin. I don't think you remember him. I do, I do remember him. Oh, Dr. okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love Gunner. he was a great guy. Um, and then we hired Susan Morrow, who was another nurse practitioner. And then, that, you know, we have to keep hiring and hiring. And so we now have, um, its now that I'm retired, we have uh, two nurse practitioners and a PA and four electrophysiologists. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're all top class.
0: Yeah. 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 E- everybody is, I think they e- even the device clinic, the staff.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, oh, they're, yeah.
0: They're all top-notch from what oh, I yeah. rem- and remember. Clark
1: is amazing. He was just an absolute find.
0: Yeah. 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 He's done a lot. He's picked up a, a good chunk oh, uh, yeah. of work there. No, yeah. they all care. I, I just, there's oh, anything I Karen. would say to you when I, you know, you visit a clinic, it's, you can tell everybody in a room that's seeing a patient cares. Yeah. I, I don't know how else to say that, um, including getting into Karen's office. Like she cared. She cared about the patients. She cared about your staff. Yep. You know, hell, I think she cares about me. She
1: does. She does. I
0: know she does. She's no, very fond of you, Don. I, I love that lady. And and I, we joke, you know, we joke internally here when we're selling into organizations. You know, we're going into these health systems. And not, one of the questions we ask ourselves is, is do they have a Karen? Yeah. And it's because you have somebody who can manage and govern right. and have goals and and excel and create adoption of something that's new right and yes and and, and foster uh mm-hmm. buy in you know you need everybody bought in and and so you don't underestimate Karen right I, and oh, no. and that's our and that's our mantra is like if there's a Karen Man, you can do some special things with, with us and, and 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 in general for for organizations I think for us it's we wanted to earn our keep with you guys from from our company like it was always look, this is an option for you. you have a choice you don't have to be beholden to something like give you choices and if we don't work out, cut the bait and we knew we needed to to excel, to satisfy your high clinical needs and standards. And we worked our butts off to do so. And, and, it, and it, I think it served us well. And I can't thank you guys enough for believing in, yeah. you know, us to, to come into your clinic and allow you to manage patients through our solution. Um, so where do things go, right? When you think about, uh, you mentioned his bundle pacing, but um, over the next five years, what do you, where do you see EP and even in, in your role within AHP, um, you know, what are things that are going to impact the lives of, of AHPs in, in, in cardiac device care?
1: Yeah. You know, I think the thing right now that everybody's most concerned about is the, the uh, reimbursement from CMS. It's a hot mm-hmm. topic right now. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we do a lot of ablations for atrial fib or SBT. And I know there's some controversy with some of the literature about, well, should we ablate everybody? Should we, um, and we have, you know, you've got the advocates that, yeah, everybody with atrial fib should be ablated. And then you get the other <laughs> folks who go, well, you know, they're not really symptomatic. They're doing fine.
0: Yeah. Ah,
1: ablation's not without its risks. Should we leave them alone? Um, and I think, it, you know, it's going to take a lot more trial before we solve that. I don't think the answer is black and white. I think there's a lot of nuance to that answer yeah. um, and what we do with that. Um, will we have new technologies? You know, at this point, I'm not sure there's a lot of new technology for ablation coming down the track. Mm -hmm. Um, there may be some that I'm not aware of. Um, I don't, don't do much in the lab anymore. So I'm not totally up on what's going on in the lab. Sure. Um, as far as pacing, I think that we're going to see more and more with the leadless pacemakers.
0: Yeah. The technology, right. Whether, you know, there's, whether it's Medtronic, Boston Scientific, Abbott, Biotronic—like, right. yeah—they make incredible devices. You know, it, oh, yeah, it, it's it's oh, pretty absolutely. amazing technology, yeah. and and they they've evolved that market and invested for patient care. It's it's, it's unique in and of itself, honestly. Yeah. Coming from Apple, and you know, hard drives can fail when they fail, and displays <laughs> exactly. or whatever—like nobody cares. Right. You know, um, these devices rarely rarely fail, and they're they're Quite,
1: quite it's amazing interesting how, how, how successful they've been. Oh, yeah. It's amazing how robust those devices are.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: when you, when I think about my, my computer or my, you know, my laptop, my book, my reader, all of this stuff and how often I have issues with it. And then I look at pacemakers, it's like, wow.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But, you know, the other thing that I think is really going to change the face of how we do EP is telehealth. Um, we already see this with remote monitoring. Um, you know, there's a push now to, can we program things remotely? Yeah. Um, they're looking at, especially with the loop recorders, can we do that? Starting with that, which I think is reasonable because it's, you know, if you screw up a loop recorder, nobody's going to die because their heart didn't beat. Um, but can we do that? And I think that has a lot of impact on people who don't live in a city. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. if you look at you know, a lot of our um especially in Alaska, but even if you look at the lower 48 people who live in the rural areas where they don't have access quickly to a place where they can have their device interrogated or their device reprogrammed, it would be really nice to be able to start being able to do that. And I think that's coming down the line. I think we'll at some point be able to say, yes, we can see you in clinic once every couple of years. Uh, You don't have to fly in from Timbuktu or drive five hours to get into the clinic to have it done.
0: Well, on top of that, you know, you think about it, I'm listening to you speak about this, this uh, access of care, basically, right? Uh, How you can make it easily available. The, you know, this repetitious of data that might come in from a patient, you're like, okay, I'm getting the same AFib noise and I, I need to reprogram this patient, but you might not see that patient for six months. So you're just going to keep getting this AFib alert that comes through remotely, let's say. All the time, yeah. Being able to remotely reprogram something like that, it it can exponentially reduce the noise within your client. Yes, right. And that's not to say, you know, should merge or software create algorithms to just omit it. It, it, You know, we're not fixing the problem, right? The problem is, is... the device is sensing something and it's going to continue until it's addressed. You know, right. remote reprogramming um, could easily mitigate that uh, and, and yeah. you know, help help the clinic become more efficient all of a sudden. Like it, it, it just, that ripple effect is significant.
1: Yeah, it is. And, and you know, if, I, if if I were going to start with remote programming of pacemakers, that would be where I would start is reprogramming the alerts. Um, Yeah. Because that's going to have the least impact if something doesn't go quite right before you start reprogramming the actual pacemaker programming. Yeah. Um, And just see, work out the bugs on something that doesn't have a lot of um, mortality impact. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, you you don't want to be impact.
0: That's right. right. And you don't want to be a cavalier and just being able to flip switches and, you know, you don't want to turn things off for an entire population either. You want to be very precise about this right. thing you want to modify. Um, but again, it can have significant impact to the volume of things that you're receiving in a clinic. And yeah. um, I, I would agree with you on that one. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. And, I, and I have to admit, I have kind of a love-hate relationship with telemedicine. Um, because <laughs> <laughs> in, in some ways, I, I really like it. Because, you know, especially if, if we've done an ablation on somebody who's in say, well, let's say Barrow or Udiabic, um, correct name. Um, for me to see them a month after their ablation, they have to fly, spend $600 to fly into Anchorage, get a hotel room, rent a car, stay for a day, see me,
0: see you for how long?
1: It's a 20, 30 minute visit, right? It's a 20, 30 minute visit, 20, 30 minutes. And you've imposed
0: like days of travel. Yeah. It's two
1: days out of their lives. And so you know, for somebody who's done well after their ablation and is doing very well, a telemedicine visit makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's easier on them, It's cheaper on them. Um, they don't have to pay the money or their insurance doesn't have to pay the money because you know Medicaid and Medicare do cover that, but it's still money that they don't have to spend. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, when somebody's having a problem, it's really much more difficult to del- to deal with it by telemedicine. Sure. Um, Yeah. And so there's the other side of that coin that there's, you know, having a face-to-face conversation over zoom is not the same as having a face-to-face conversation with somebody sitting in the chair next to you. Yeah. 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 And there are observations that I can make about a patient who's sitting right there that I can't make over telemedicine. And so, like I said, I have a love hate relationship with it. I see the benefits, but I see the drawbacks.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. Well, Let's wrap things up here, Lori. We are going to give you the rapid fire test. Are you ready? So I'm (laughs) going to pepper you with some questions. Um, You can answer them as fast and as uh, brief as you would like. You could plead the fifth. Um, But, you know, they're just one word answers, hopefully. And and it's in this fun spirit. okay? Okay. All right. Favorite part about working in a device clinic.
1: Oh, the patients and staff.
0: Any item you couldn't live without in your clinic?
1: Oh, um, you know, I would say my support staff.
0: Something you know now in your career that you wish you knew before.
1: Overtime doesn't pay nearly as well as people think it does. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and what would you be doing if you weren't in healthcare?
1: I would probably do photography. I enjoy the photography.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know you do. You seem pretty passionate about that. Yeah. Well, Laurie not. I can't thank you enough. This has been a joy and an honor to be chatting with you. <laughs> and it's um, you know, always fun. You have a celebrated career and it's, uh, you've done special things for people and, and those that are around you and your patients. So it's, it's great to see you and talk to you and get to know you.
1: Yeah. I always fun to talk to you, Todd.
0: All right, Laurie, thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning into the pulse. For more information about Merge and how to improve your cardiac device management,
1: visit merge.com.